0: Hey everyone, I'm your host, Ichi, and welcome to What Happened Again? Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Today, we're continuing on with our Oscar series, and today's episode will be on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. As always, I'll be giving a summary of the movie as well as my thoughts and review afterwards. And so if you've already seen the movie and you don't want to sit through the summary, down below in my description, I'll have a timestamp that you can skip to so that you can go straight to the review. And as a fair warning, the summary and the review will have spoilers, and so if you haven't seen the movie, I suggest stopping the podcast now, go back and watch the film, and then come back to listen to my review. And so with that, let's begin. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood follows the story of Rick Dalton, a famous actor who rose to fame doing Western movies. It also follows the story of Cliff Booth, his stunt double. And so the two of them have been working together for years and they are best friends. The movie starts out with Rick having a meeting with a man named Schwartz who tells him that he believes that Rick is a declining actor. Rick had a shining moment on his hit TV show, Bounty Law. And he also had a lot of hit films. But recently, all the roles that he has been given are you know, one episode villain roles from other TV shows where he gets his ass kicked by the hero And so Schwartz tells him, you know, if the audience sees you get your ass kicked more than they see you kicking ass, then you're going to keep declining and it'll be over for you. He then offers to reach out to his friends that do Italian westerns to get him starring roles, but Rick believes that they're beneath him, calling them spaghetti westerns. And so Cliff has been waiting for him the whole time at this restaurant since Rick lost his license and cannot drive, and drives him home as Rick cries about his failing career. As they approach his house, they see a car pull into the driveway next to them, and it's their neighbors, Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski. Sharon is an actress, and Roman is a very prominent director, and so as they're driving off to their house, Rick Dalton is filled with hope that he could be friends with them and potentially star in one of his movies. And so after Cliff drops Rick off at his house, we get a glimpse of the lives of each of the characters we just met. And so Rick spends his night getting drunk and rehearsing lines by his pool, Cliff drives home and we see that he lives in a trailer. He has a pit bull named Brandy and he's beginning to feed her and he's also cooking himself something that looks like mac and cheese, like easy mac and cheese, honestly. And we just see that he doesn't have as much money as his friend Rick. And so there's like a stark contrast between, you know, the messy life that Cliff lives and then the luxurious life that Rick lives. And so on the other side, Sharon and Polanski go to a party at the Playboy Mansion and they're just having a great time And, you know, two people are commenting on them and said that there was once a man named Jay that Sharon was engaged to. But then she went to Europe to be in one of Polanski's films. While over there, she broke off the engagement and married Polanski. And when they got back to America, her, Polanski and Jay have been inseparable ever since. And so the next day, Cliff drives Rick to the set of another TV show that Rick is working on. And he is getting ready for wardrobe. A man then comes in and is envisioning a bunch of different looks Rick could explore, like putting a mustache on him, having him wear a hippie jacket, changing his hair, etc. And so Rick questions and says, If I have all this junk on me, how will the audience know it's me? And the man says, I didn't hire you to be Rick Dalton. I hired you to be an actor. And so now Cliff is driving to fix Rick's antenna at home, and he thinks back to the time when he got fired from the show. And so when the show was first starting, Rick had asked, the guy in charge of hiring stuntman to hire Cliff, because you know they've been working together for so long, and the guy was like, I don't really want to because my wife doesn't like him, I don't like him, because allegedly, Cliff had killed his wife and got away with it, and so they don't want a creepy guy like that on set. However, Rick pleads, and the stuntman guy is like, okay, fine, we'll hire him, and so they hire Cliff, he gets all dressed up, and then he's sitting there as Bruce Lee is on set, And Bruce is talking about how martial arts is super deadly and how, you know, if anyone got in my way, I would kill them type of things. And then Cliff tries to laugh and Bruce is like extremely offended. And he says, you know, did I say something funny? Like, why are you laughing right now? And Cliff was just like, oh, you just seem like a guy who talks too big. And so Bruce is like really, really offended and challenges him to a spar. And so like no real fighting, no death, just two out of three, whoever can pin the other one down. And so they're sparring, and at first, Bruce gets the first kick in, and Cliff is, you know, thrown to the ground. But Then afterwards, as Bruce is coming at him again, Cliff grabs him and, like, throws him into a car. And so now they're both really serious, and it's the third round, and they're just, like, fighting each other. And then the guy who hires stuntman comes in with his wife, and he's like, Whoa, 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 what's going on here? Bruce is our main actor. Like, why are you fighting our main actor? And then the wife is like, oh my God, my car. And so apparently Cliff like threw Bruce into the wife's car. It's not like everyone's upset. They already didn't want him there. And they're like, all right, get the fuck out of here. Like, get out of here. You're not working here anymore. And so back at Sharon's house, Polanski is gone, but she is accompanied by their friend Jay. They get a knock on the door and this man is there asking if Terry is home. And they say that Terry doesn't live there anymore and that it's now the Polanski residence. And so after they shoo him off, Sharon then goes and does some errands, and she comes across this movie theater. And so there's movie posters of her movie that's currently playing, and so she's super excited to see her name on these like movie posters. And she goes up to the ticket counter, and she asks for a ticket. And it's really funny, because at first they try to charge her, and she's like, um, what if I'm, like, in the movie? And there's, like, a whole scene where they're like, are you in the movie? So obviously they don't, like, recognize her. But she finally convinces them that she's in the movie, and so they let her in for free. And so she's in there and it's really cute because she's really happy and excited about the audience's reactions to her performance. And so, you know, she'll say like a funny line in the movie and the audience will laugh and you can just see her looking around like, ooh, I got them. And so we're back on set and Rick is filming his scenes and he's doing a great job as he plays the villain. And it's really cool because we see it as it would be shown on television. And so we're like not watching Rick act on set, but we're watching his character act as if we were watching the TV show itself. But then we get brought back into reality that he is working on set because he starts to forget his lines and has to ask for them. And it's the same lines that he was practicing the night before, you know, by his pool. But for some reason, he just can't remember them. And so there's a point where he can't say the line and he stands up and requests to start the scene over. And like everyone's screaming at him to sit down and try again. He's like, I can't, I can't. And they're like, just say the line, just say the line. And so, you know, they redo that scene and he's just like really embarrassed because he can't remember the line. And so he goes back to his trailer and is so mad at himself for forgetting the lines. He's supposed to be Rick Dalton, hotshot actor, and he can't even remember his lines in front of the actors that were so excited to act with him. He's like screaming at himself and his bad choices. And there's a line where he's like thinking back to the night before when he was practicing and how he's like an alcoholic. And, you know, he says like, I could have had two whiskey sours, but I had fucking eight whiskey sours, eight of them. And (laughs) he says things like, if you don't get your lines right, I'm going to blow your fucking brains out. Like, he was really, really upset during the scene. And so, you know, he just keeps talking about how he's going to keep going down as an actor if he can't get his shit together. Later on, however, he goes back on set and is shooting another scene. And this time, there are no interruptions, no forgotten lines. Everything is, like, done flawlessly. He was acting with this one little girl. And after the scene was done, she, you know, leans over and whispers in his ear that that was, like, the best acting that she had ever seen. And then the director comes over to him and said that his improv lines were just genius. And, you know, his idea to do certain actions were also genius. Like, he has to grow in his lap because he's a villain. And he, like, throws her down and pretends to, like almost shoot her and it was all improv and so the director was like that was absolutely genius and you know he says do we need to go again and the director's like nope we don't have to because that was just perfect and so when the director leaves you can just see it on rick's face like he is so happy he is so proud that he redeemed himself from his earlier mishaps and it's just a really good moment for him and so then while all of this is happening cliff is driving around and he comes across a hippie girl and so throughout the other scenes as cliff is either driving rick home Or you know, driving to Rick's house to fix his antenna, we see the same girl and her hippie friends either stealing food from dumpsters or asking for rides. And both times Cliff was interested but then ignored them. But this time he pulls over to talk to the girl. She then asks for a ride to Spawn Ranch, where her and her friends live. And so Spawn Ranch is special because it also happened to be the place where Cliff and Rick used to shoot Bounty Law, so he agrees to take her and to see this place again. They get to the ranch and there are young woman everywhere in all different buildings. And so the girl who rode with Cliff, whose name is Pussycat, calls people over to meet him. One runs out to grab a man named Tex because Tex is like one of the guardians and has to approve of this man. And so Tex comes over, he meets Cliff, approves, and then continues on with his day. And so all the other girls are slowly easing up to him since Tex approved. But then he asks them to see the owner of the ranch, George Spawn. They say that he can't see him because he's napping but Cliff really wants to check on him because he wants to make sure that the hippie girls aren't taking advantage of him. He insists on going into the house and forces his way to see George. He realizes that George is blind and doesn't even remember who he is. Cliff then asks if he's being taken advantage of and George gets extremely offended and tells him that the girls love him and that he's fine. Cliff doesn't believe him but walks away anyways and walks into a really hostile scene because apparently barging his way into meeting George was not taken lightly by the girls, and now is, like, really tense. And so he realizes that his tire got cut on his car, and he finds a man that did it and, like, beats him up and tells him to fix it. And so then, like, one of the girls runs to get Tex, but as Tex appears to handle the situation, Cliff is already gone. And so Cliff goes to pick up Rick from the set, and the two of them watch an episode of FBI that Rick is on while they're just, like, hanging out. And so somewhere else, Schwartz, the man who wanted Rick to star in like the Italian westerns, is also watching the same episode and is so impressed that he calls up the people in Italy to consider Rick. And so then on screen it says six months later, and so we know that six months has passed, and we learn that Rick took up the offers to do the movies in Italy. And so while he was there, he was famous again, starring in several movies, and he actually ended up marrying an Italian wife, and it's said that Cliff was with him the entire time. However, as they prepare to return home to the United States, Rick speaks to Cliff and says that because he has a new wife, he cannot afford to pay Cliff for his services anymore and that this will be the end of their partnership together. They decide that when they go back home, they will have one last night of partying together to end their time together. And so on their final day together, we follow both parties, Sharon Tate and her three friends, since Polanski is off in Europe doing another movie, and Rick and Cliff. Both parties have normal routines, where Sharon has guests over, you know, Cliff picks up his pit bull and Rick settles back into his house with his wife. That night, both parties eat out at separate restaurants and then they go back to their respective houses to do whatever they had to do. And so Sharon is entertaining her guests and then Rick and Cliff are getting drunk just as they planned. And so then Cliff takes his dog out for a walk and Rick begins to make frozen margaritas. That's when a car pulls up and it's like one of those really old ones. And so the engine is really loud. And inside the car is a man and three girls. And so this really upsets Rick. And he goes out and yells at them to leave since it's a private road and they don't belong there. He's like screaming at them, hitting their car, telling them to get out. He's like, get the fuck out of here. Like, just get out. Get out. And the guy in the car who's driving is like, all right, man, like, sorry, we just got lost. We're trying to turn around. Like, just calm down, chill out. Like, We're leaving. We're leaving. But then you see, you know, as they're, like, driving away, you can see it in their eyes that, like, they're, like, staring at him with, like, all this anger. And so they're at the foot of the driveway and are discussing their plans. And apparently their boss, Charlie, said for them to, and I quote, go to Terry's old house and kill everyone inside. We realize that this man is Tex and the three women are from Spawn Ranch. One of them then says that she recognized the man that yelled at them and they figure out that that was Rick Dalton, the guy from Bounty Law. And so then another girl gets the idea that since Rick Dalton starred in westerns that taught the audiences how to kill, then they should go kill him because it's what he taught them to do. And so they like that idea so much that instead of going to Terry's old house where Sharon lives, they go to Rick's house instead. By then, Cliff had returned from walking his dog and is inside as Rick is outside by the pool again. Out of nowhere, Tex and two girls entered the house. Only two girls were there because the third abandoned them and took the car to run away. Cliff is staring at them and realizes that they're the people that he met at Spawn Ranch and then clicks his tongue for his pit bull to run and viciously attack Tex. He then fights with the other two girls and this is like a very, very gory scene. After the pit bull has killed Tex, he then attacks one of the other girls and Cliff gets stabbed in the process. After the girl is killed, the other girl is severely injured and runs outside to the pool where she encounters Rick. Rick then is like really startled and goes to grab a weapon and he grabs a flamethrower that he received as a prop for one of his shows and burns the last girl in the pool. The police and ambulance come and take Cliff away to the hospital, and as Rick is walking back up his driveway, he sees Jay, one of Sharon's friends that was there that night. Him and Rick begin talking about the incident, and then Sharon calls and asks where Jay is, and Jay just says that he's here talking to Rick Dalton, and that really interests Sharon. And so she invites him inside, where he accepts, and he finally gets to meet her, which is what he wanted from the very beginning. And so that is the end of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And so now let's get into my thoughts and review. And to start out, I want to go into my segment where it's just overall thoughts. And so I believe this film is really interesting because knowing the historical events that this movie centers around changes how you view the film. And so if you don't know the backstory, I'll briefly go over it. But in 1969, there truly lived a woman named Sharon Tate that was an actress, and she was married to the prestigious director Roman Polanski. They had moved into a house that used to belong to a man named Terry Melcher, who was a recording artist. Charles Manson, a cult leader to the Manson family, wanted to record music for Terry, but was rejected. Because of his anger of being rejected, he told four members of his family, Tex and three other women, to go to Melcher's house and kill everyone inside. Inside the house that night was Sharon Tate and three of her friends, and they were all murdered. And so knowing this, you see that some of the scenes from the movie were actually true. Charles Manson going to Sharon's house to ask for Terry and learning that he didn't live there anymore happened. Spawn Ranch and the Manson family living there and taking advantage of George Spawn was very true. Even the line where Tex repeats the instructions Charles gave him, go to Terry's house and kill everyone inside. Or when he's about to fight Cliff and he says, I'm the devil and I'm here to do the devil's business. These are all recorded in history as true events. And so it's really interesting to see a movie with characters that like actually lived and events that actually happened and then have the two main characters be fictional living in this world. And the reason why I say that knowing the history would change your view of the movie is because if you're watching this film and you knew of the murder of Sharon Tate and the Manson family, then maybe you were expecting a similar ending. Maybe you thought that although Rick and Cliff were fictional, the movie would still follow historical events, and, you know, that's what I thought when I was watching it too. The whole time I was watching it, I was scared every time Sharon appeared on screen. And so when Manson goes to Sharon's house and asks if Terry was still there, I was already getting like really, really nervous. Or when Cliff goes to Spawn Ranch and you see all the girls acting suspiciously, like it was extremely creepy. And especially since it was a Tarantino film, I knew that I should be expecting something really gory and you know, nothing would be more terrifying than reliving such a horrific event. But then you see the change of events when Rick and Cliff intercept the scene and become the targets themselves and then end up killing the Manson members. And at the end, when Cliff gets to meet Sharon, which was, you know, the thing that he was hoping to do since the beginning of the film, I guess that's why it's called, you know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, because Once Upon a Time, you know, kind of mixed with surreal, like a fairy tale. And in real life, there was not a happy ending. But in this movie, you know, it was like a huge what if scenario. And we saw the happily ever after ending. And so it's really sad to think about. But it's a combination of fiction and history that is like really interesting to me. But the problem for me about this movie was, although on paper it sounded like a really interesting movie, I found it to be really long, sort of boring, and just like really confusing at times. And I know that Rick's moments were like, you know, another light on the fact that actors have their rise and fall in Hollywood, and that's the reality of the business, and I think that was like another kind of theme that they wanted to go to with this movie. But walking into this movie, knowing the history, and wanting to see more of Sharon and the Manson family... I find myself not caring too much about Rick's troubles. Like the entire time in my head, I was just trying to figure out how, you know, Rick and Cliff fit together with Sharon and the Manson family. And so, you know, I don't know. Some of the scenes were really good. Like when Rick finally acts his best and gets complimented from everybody. And you can see that he's like so proud. Or the scenes on Spawn Ranch and how ominous it was to see all the family just like hanging around. I really enjoyed them, but they were very sparse and the movie just seemed to drag. And so with that, I'll go into my facepalm segment, which is like moments in the movie that I just like really, really didn't like. Not things like I wish the movie ended a certain way, but things like why did you do it a certain way? Like why did you insert this into this movie? And so my first facepalm is that I hated the Bruce Lee scene. I just like wasn't sure what they're trying to accomplish with that. And like were they trying to make him look bad? I, I don't know. And I don't know much about Bruce Lee, I don't love action films, and so I wasn't the one, you know, who would watch all of his films. But being an Asian-American myself, he was always just, like, an icon in my house of, like, martial arts, you know, strength. And he just seemed like someone that was, like, one of those cool guys, you know? But here, in this movie, they made him look like a joke. Like, the stuff he was saying, the sounds that he made before he fought, like, that might actually be true of martial arts, but the way that they portrayed it, him going, like, ah, like, it just... I don't know. It just seemed like a joke, and even when he gets slammed into the car from Cliff, it made him look weak and silly. And that's just not the idea of Bruce Lee that I wanted in my head. The next facepalm is just a facepalm for me, and I knew this going into the movie, but it was the fight scene at the very end. I know that Tarantino films are really gory, and that's the reason why I put off watching this movie for so long. I mean, it came out over the summer, I think, and I'm just now watching it, and. You know, Tarantino films are just not a thing that I'm ever eager to watch, and I only watched this film because it was nominated for so many Oscars. But I had to cover my eyes almost the entire time because it was just so gross, and I could just hear everything that was going on. And, like, it's not a bad thing on the film. Like, he's obviously a very successful director for a reason. People like watching this stuff. But for me personally, I just really, really hated it. And then my last face palm was the little girl that was on set with Rick Like, I wasn't sure what they were aiming for with her. Like, was she supposed to be a know-it-all eight-year-old with a really uptight personality? Because I think that's what they wanted, but it just, like, really wasn't working for me. And I know they wanted to show, like, a young talent that was ambitious and hungry to work, in contrast to, like, Rick, who was, like, on the decline. And he even mentions a line that says, like, oh, just you wait 15 years to her when she talks about being successful when young or something. Um, But her character seemed forced and not very funny, and it was just a scene that, in my opinion, could have been taken out of the movie, and it would have made the movie a lot shorter. And so now we're going to go into my segment called Obsessed, because, you know, although I didn't love this film, there were still some things that I really, really did like. And so I loved Cliff and Rick's relationship. I thought that was adorable. There were such buds, and it was, like, really cute watching them interact, like how Rick was nervous, and Cliff would be like, you're Rick fucking Dalton. Don't you forget that. Mm-hmm. Or when Cliff is being sent to the hospital for the stab wound and Rick follows and Cliff's like, don't wait up in a waiting room all night, just come tomorrow with some breakfast. And Rick says, you know, Cliff, you're a great friend. Or when Cliff picks Rick up and Rick says, are we going to watch the episode of FBI tonight? And Cliff says, well, that's what I assumed. I already have the beer and that we could order a pizza. Like, I thought that was absolutely adorable. And I already mentioned this scene before, but the scene when Rick acts really well and gets praised. And you can just see it on his face how happy he is because he just melted down in his trailer for forgetting his lines. And now his hard work is being recognized. I just put that scene in the Obsessed segment because Leo's performance is like really good. And I could just like really feel, you know, the pride that he was feeling at that moment. And so my last scene for Obsessed is when Sharon goes to the movies to watch herself And I just thought it was a really nice scene, like hearing the audience laugh when they're supposed to and then, you know, seeing her look around and be happy and proud of the work that she did. And, you know, the scene in the movie that she's watching, she's like finding this other woman and then her, as she's watching it, thinks back to the time that she was doing all the training and she's like mimicking her movements in her seat as the scene is playing. And I don't know, she didn't stand up and be like, hey, I'm in this movie, look at me, I'm Sharon Tate. She just discreetly sits down and is, like, genuinely enjoying the experience that's happening around her. And so now we're going into our segment called Quote of the Movie. And my favorite quote of the movie is during the scene when Rick Dalton is having his huge breakdown in his trailer. You know, he's saying, like, the eight whiskey sours. I could have only had two whiskey sours and all of that. And he's talking about how embarrassed he is to forget his lines in front of everybody. And then he says, I practiced them and now I don't look like I goddamn practiced them. And, like, you could just really feel it because... He's right, he wasn't up partying all night, like sure he drank while he was rehearsing his lines, but we saw him by himself at his pool rehearsing those same lines that he forgot, and like, I'm pretty sure everyone can relate to this, where you practice something for a really long time, you work hard at something, and it just doesn't pan out the way you wanted it to pan out, And it just seems like you didn't practice or try at all when actually you did a lot. And you know that Rick Dalton is trying his hardest to still stay relevant. He loves his job. He still wants to do this. And he's worried about being a declining actor. And so all of this is like really scaring him. And so now he's just really, really upset that something he did work hard on, he doesn't even get to show that he worked hard on it. And so the last segment of this episode would be called ranking. And I do not give movies a numerical ranking, I put them into buckets instead because it's less tricky. And so my buckets are love, great, good, like, all right, apathetic, and bad. And so I would put this movie in my all right category. There are some scenes that I liked. And, you know, it's cool to see the history and fiction come together. And again, you know, talking about the film and seeing the idea of the film on paper is actually really cool. And so, you know, the scene when Sharon is sitting at the movie theater watching herself, Sharon's played by Margot Robbie, but I think the actress in the movie that Sharon is watching isn't Margot Robbie, but it's like the actual Sharon Tate. And I just think that's like a super cool thing to do, just putting like actual elements of history into this movie. But again, just watching it, it was so long, you know, I would never ever be able to keep my eyes open for that fight scene. So there's no point in even like watching this movie just to skip the, you know, climax of it. And so if someone wanted to like watch this film, I would probably argue for another one. And I don't think I would ever like deliberately rewatch this movie on my own time. And so because of that, I would just put it in my all right category because it wasn't the worst thing, but I probably won't watch it again. And so that's it for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The next episode will be continuing on with the Oscar series. And luckily, Oscar nominations came out this past Monday. And so now I know exactly what movies I need to watch to continue out the Oscar series. And we're going to be covering all the Best Picture nominees. And so I went back to the movies I've already covered to see which ones I can cross off the list. And luckily, we've already done Marriage Story, Little Women, and now Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We already have three under our belt now, and so we can continue on with the rest of the Best Picture nominees. And so next episode, we'll be covering 1917. And so thank you for listening. I hope you stick around for the rest of the Oscar series, and I hope to see you guys soon.